praise teams and thank our choir and thank all of you for taking part in our worship. To God be honored and glorified this morning. If you brought your Bibles, we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Matter of fact, we're going to be looking at several passages of Scripture. And so, I hope you follow along. Um, I have several that I want to be referring to. And so, uh, Joel, we'll just do the best we can back there. If you brought your Bibles, that's very good. I hope you bring them every week. And so we want to, this morning I want to share a sermon that I've simply entitled, uh, The Day of Christ, The Day of Christ, The Rapture. The Day of Christ, The Rapture. We'll be looking in just a moment at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is just a... Uh, comparison really to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 pretty well says the same thing. We'll be looking at that in a few moments during the sermon. But uh, first of all, I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and I like for us to look at verse 10, and then we'll go to Ephesians 3, verse 2, and Colossians chapter 1. That's the plan. As we think about the day of Christ, Also, that refers to the rapture. You'll hear it in theological circles as the rapture. You'll hear it in the Word of God as the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we want to look at that this morning. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have now to worship you. Lord, we pray that uh, our worship was honoring to you. And Father, we pray now as we have opened your Word that we'll will listen and allow you to speak to our hearts and to our minds. And Lord, let it let your Holy Spirit move among us. And I pray that it will not just be printed words on paper, but it will become alive to us. Thank you for each person here. Speak to each need that's here this morning. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The day of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would, look at Ephesians chapter 1. And we want to begin first with verse 10. Ephesians 1 verse 10. That in the dispensation, now you need to underline dispensation because we're going to be talking about dispensation um, in this sermon. And so we're going to find out what that means. And so that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Now, if you would, turn to Ephesians chapter 3, page page over perhaps. Notice what Paul says in verse 2. He says, If you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to you word. Let's look at that again. Verse 2. If you have heard, there's that word again. Have you, if you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you. So Paul is saying, I've been given this dispensation. And it's not for me only, but it's for me to give to you. Very important. Now if you will, turn over a couple of books, or book, a couple of books to... Uh, the book of Colossians, we want to look at Colossians. And in the book of Colossians, you're going to find that um, Paul is um, 
Paul is really speaking, uh, he's speaking again, and he's, he's speaking again about this, he's speaking again about this dispensation. In Colossians chapter 1, look if you will at verse 24. He says, Who now in rejoicing in my sufferings, Paul said, I've been suffering for you, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Paul said, I've been suffering. Now, he's been suffering. Uh, he suffered in one place. He said he'd suffered for 28 years. He'd suffered things such as persecution. Persecution involved beatings. Persecution involved uh, uh, threats on his life. He was put in prison. He was beaten. He was stoned. He'd gone through all of this for the sake, which is the church or the body of Christ. Verse 25, wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God. There's that word. I've been made a minister. He said, I've been made a minister. That word minister means a designated individual that's in God's service. He said, I've been made a minister according to what? According to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you. So he's been given this dispensation, not for himself only, but for us. Now realize he's not speaking to the Jews, he's speaking to the Gentiles. And so first of all, I want us to look about this ministry of dispensation. What is dispensation? What does the word dispensation mean? Well, it's very simple. Dispensation simply means a specific time period when God gives specific directions. So God has given Paul directions, instructions to give to us who are in this specific time period, which is known, theological terms, as the period of grace. We're in this period of grace. We're in this church age. And God has given us this dispensation, this period of time of, of grace. Now, let me see if I can illustrate it just uh, in a better way. Let's, let's pretend for a moment that you go to the doctor, and the doctor writes you a prescription, and you take that prescription to the pharmacy, and the pharmacy fills that prescription, and then the pharmacy on the outside of the bottle, he puts directions on that bottle. And the directions really just... Uh, or about how, how you handle what's been dispensed to you, okay? And so, you, do, you, do you take it like you want to take it? No, you don't take it like you want to take it. You take it according to the directions of the medication that's been dispensed to you. You follow these distinct directions for that dispensation, okay? Are you with me? And so, it's the same way spiritually. Adam and Eve... Uh, they were in a dispensation period. They were under a set of directions from God. You know what the direction was? Don't eat of the tree that's in the center of the garden. That was the direction that they were given. They were under the set of directions, instructions, uh, this dispensation. And when you go against God's direction, you're going to get in trouble. And so they got in trouble. Adam and Eve got into trouble, and God expelled them out of the garden, and that ended that dispensation. So the first dispensation started with Adam and Eve. It ended when they disobeyed God. Then God gave a new set of directions that carried on for hundreds of years until we get to Abraham. Now you're familiar with Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant. 
And so these, these new directions went all the way to Abraham. Then God said, instead of dealing with this whole Adamic race, this race after Adam, I'm going to bring forth one man, and from that one man, I'm going to bring forth a nation. That nation was going to be Israel. And so then that nation, he said, I'm going to bring forth a salvation plan. I'm going to bring forth a Savior. And that dispensation was known as the law. So you have another period of time. So you had Adam and Eve, and then you know, from there you go to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, and then you have the law, another dispensation, another period of time. And so Israel walked under the law for a while. Then all of a sudden there came a set of new directions, another dispensation. When Israel rejected God, rejected Jesus, all of, when they totally disre, when they rejected the law, added things to the law, God opens a new set of directions, a new dispensation, and that's the dispensation of the grace of God. Ephesians chapter two, if you will look at that just for a moment. We're going to be in Ephesians back and forth for a while. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. For by grace are you saved through faith. You see the change in the instructions and the directions? They've left the law. They've been given a new dispensation, the dispensation of grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. So you have the dispensation of the grace of God, Ephesians 2, verse 8. And the point is, what God told Israel in the dispensation of the law is, is whole a, a whole different set of directions in what God gives to us in the dispensation of grace. Now, what do we do? Do we go back to the law? No, we got a new set of instructions. We're operating on grace. Ephesians chapter 3, look at verse 1. Ephesians 3, look at verse 1. Notice what he says. I'm going back and forth up here too. Ephesians 3, verse 1. He says... Um, Ephesians 3, Paul says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. So Paul was given this new set of instructions for who? The Jews? No, for the Gentiles. So he'd given this new set of instructions for the Gentiles. In Romans chapter 11, verse 13, listen to what he says. Romans 11, verse 13. And you're going to be using your Bibles because this is very important in understanding the rapture. Okay, Romans uh, 11, verse 13, he says this. He says, I, For I speak to you Gentiles, this is Paul, for as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. You notice that? He, speak, he is the apostle of the Gentiles, not to the Jews. That's a different dispensation. He's, kind of, he's coming with the, to the Gentiles and speaking a new dispensation. He said, I magnify my office. And so there is, there's this dispensation of grace. I've got a little timeline I want to show to you just for a moment. It'll be on the screen where you can understand it. Now, here's the timeline in the Old Testament. This is really important. You have that first dispensation here with Adam, okay? And uh, that goes all the way through, you see, eternity. But there's a gap. There's a gap here after the cross. And, and, and they, they didn't... They didn't have need for that dispensation. They didn't have a need to know what happens after the cross. They knew that the cross would come. That was all prophecy. And they knew that they would be uh, a second coming. They knew they would be an eternity. But they didn't know about this thing called the church age that we're in right now. And we'll find out why. Now, if you'll look at the second diagram, you'll see the New Testament. 
the New Testament timeline. Now, this is what we know. And so there's Adam, and then you come up to the cross, and after the cross, you've got the ascension, okay? And then you've got Paul's revelation of the mysteries of the church age. And so there's a lot of things, mysteries, that no one had ever heard of from Adam up until this time that Paul's writing, and they were called mysteries. They were kept secret. Now, why was that? Because the Jews uh, at that time, they didn't, they didn't need to understand about the revelations of the church age. And then right after the church age, now we're in the church age right now. So what comes after the church age? The rapture. And so there's nothing, there's nothing that we're waiting for to happen. We're in the church age. The next thing that's going to happen on theological calendar is the rapture of the church. And we're going to look at that, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Then after the rapture, you had seven years of tribulation. Then you have the second coming. Now, the second coming is not the same as the day of uh, the Lord Jesus. Uh, the second coming is, is, is completely different. We'll talk about that. But then you have the second coming. You have a thousand years of, of, of perfect peace, a thousand years of kingdom reign, and then you have eternity. So that's what we're looking at now. That's what we see now. The Old Testament Jew, they didn't see that. They didn't see it. But today, this is what we see. We see Paul's revelation of the mysteries of God, the church age, which is a period of grace. So you have this first, you have this dispensation ministry, and then we come to this day of Christ. Now, after the book of Acts, Matthew, the Gospels, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, after the book of Acts, God begins to deal with several of these ministries, or mysteries, I'm sorry, Things that had been secret, things that had been kept quiet from the time of Adam until he revealed them to Paul. The grace of God to the Gentiles, that was a, that was a mystery. It had been a mystery. It had been kept a secret. The body of Christ, the church, that was a mystery. Now it's been made known. Okay, The mysteries of the church age, that was kept a secret. Why was that? Because it's a different time, it's different directions, different instructions for a different dispensation of time. Okay? Now, Deuteronomy, if you'll look back, Deuteronomy 29, verse 29 says this. should be on the screen. Joel will find it. says the secret things. Now, these mysteries were kept secret. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of the law. And so he says there are some secret things that belong only to God, but God reveals some things and those things we have. And that's still true today. God continues to keep secret some things in the church age. There's a lot of things we don't know what's going to happen in the church age. They're secret. They're known only to God. Uh, so God has kept some things secret. Even the Lord kept some things secret on earth. Uh, he kept the church age secret from the Jews. Uh, he never hinted that, that there would be a day that the Gentiles would be reached by God. Uh, he never hinted at that. That was kept secret. He never hinted that Israel would be out of the land one day. He never hinted that there would be no temple. Never hinted that there would be no priesthood. But yet in that scenario, there were all... All of that, he would, he would call out the body of Christ by grace through faith, through this dispensation of grace. 
So therefore, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, we have another one of these mysteries revealed. Look at that, if you will. The mystery of the day of Jesus Christ, also known in theological circles as the rapture of the church. Now, if you want to jot down a scripture, just jot down 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and jot down, uh, if you will, verse uh, 8, the B part of that, and let me share it with you. He says, Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless, here it is, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's also the rapture. Okay? So it's referred to, the rapture is referred to in theological circles as the rapture, but also it's referred to, first, first Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, as the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, please keep in mind that the day of the Lord Jesus Christ is different from the day of the Lord or the second coming. So the point is the rapture will end this dispensation. Remember, after this, after the church age, the rapture of the church, this dispensation ends. So the rapture ends this dispensation of grace. The church age as we know it won't exist anymore. The point being, if you want to get saved, you better get saved before the rapture. Because that ends the church age. It ends this dispensation of grace. Very important. And that's the next thing that's going to happen. could happen before we get out of here today. It could happen at any moment. Nothing else to be fulfilled. So the rapture will end this dispensation of grace, the church age as we know it. Now, in the day of the Lord, in that second coming, not the rapture, but in that second coming, you'll have the rapture, you'll have the tribulation, then you'll have the second coming. And, and during the second coming, you'll have this, this humongous, this catastrophe, these catastrophes, these catastrophic events that uh, uh, you'll have war, you'll have famine, you'll have pestilence, you'll have earthquakes, you'll have stars falling out of the orbit, you'll have these huge hailstones, you'll have the battle of Armageddon. That's all the second coming. That's all in the day of the Lord. It's not in the day of Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ our Lord, but it's in the day of the Lord. It's in the second coming. However, the rapture or the day of Jesus Christ our Lord is different. The rapture should be, the rapture is be a, just a silent disappearance of the church. Now, if, you are, if you're a believer, there's coming a day when, when Jesus is going to come in the air and the church is going to be called to him. It'll be a silent thing. Believers will just suddenly be gone. If you will, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 as we start this. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Don't be misinformed, brethren, those who are believers, concerning them which are asleep, those who have died, that you sorrow not as others which have no hope. Now notice what he says. He's, he's writing to the believers concerning their loved ones who've died as believers. He says, if your loved one was a believer and you're a believer, you don't have to sorrow like those who are unbelievers when an unbeliever dies. So this unsaved person will never see their saved loved one again. If that person has a saved loved one and they're saved, they're going to be together again. And it's going to be sooner than you think. 
So, you know, that you, you're going to see each other again. Hell, hell is hell's not a country club. Hell is a place of torments, a place of isolation. And hell is for those who have rejected Jesus Christ. Look at verse 14. He says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, those who have died in Jesus, will God bring with him. So God's coming back. He's coming back to call the church, and when he comes back, he's going to bring those with him who have died in Christ. And he says, for if we believe that Jesus died, verse 14, and rose again. Now, that's the gospel. You want to know what the gospel is? Look, if you will, to jot down 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, underline verse 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Let's look at this just for a moment. 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll look at verses 1 through 4. He says, Moreover, brethren, declare unto you the gospel. So he says, here's the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I've preached unto you, which also you've received wherein you stand, by which also you're saved. You're saved by this gospel. If you keep in memory what I've preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered, in verse 3, unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the Scripture. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. So the point is, in order for the believer to return with God, he says he's going to bring those who have died in the Lord with him. Before, in order for him to bring the believer with him, Without a doubt, they are already in the presence of the Lord God of glory. Now, that's very simple. He's going to bring them with him. Look, if you will, at 1 Thessalonians, verse 14. He says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which have died in Jesus will God bring with him. And so in order for him to bring them with him, they have to be with him. And he's going to bring them with him. So the question is, some people say, well, what are they doing now? I mean, what are our loved ones doing, you know, who have died as a believer? And what are, what, what are they doing? Well, i tell you what I believe they're doing. I believe they're waiting on their resurrected bodies. That's what I believe they're doing. They're going to be given a new body. They're going to be given a, a resurrected body. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, as we close up. 1 Corinthians 15. Look, if you will, at verse 53. He says, For this corruptible, speaking about your body, 1 Corinthians 15, 53, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. See, our bodies must be made fit for heaven. This mortal, this mortal, this body that's, that's primed to die, this body that will die must put on immortality, must put on that that, will, that, that will, will never die. And he says, look if you will, 1 Thessalonians 4.15. He says, for, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them, or we shall not precede them which are asleep. And so we're alive when Christ comes back for the church. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. 
because they have a resurrected body. They'll have a resurrected body to be joined with their spirit in the air. They're going to go first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up to be with them. Look, if you will, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. We shall be raptured, caught up. And he says, Comfort one another with these. So Christ is, is, is only going to come for his church, and he's going to come in the air. He's not going to set foot on the Mount of Olives. That's the second coming. But coming in the air is the rapture. And what happens? After the rapture, you have the seven-year tribulation. After the tribulation, then he's going to come all the way to earth to the Mount of Olives, and he's going to fight the battle of Armageddon. Now, remember the day of the Lord Jesus, the rapture. He, he comes for us. And then his second coming, seven years later, he, we come with him to reign with him. Look, if you will, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. He says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so what we're looking forward to next is the rapture of the church. That's what we're waiting on. Could happen any minute. Any minute. And it's great to know. i tell you what's great to know. It's great to know that we're going to miss the wrath of God that's going to take place in that tribulation. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at verse 9. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9. Remember, the church is gone. It says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we just finished the rapture at the end of verse 18, chapter 4. Now, look, if you will, just real quickly at chapter 5. This is the second coming, but of the times and seasons, brother, you've no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. This is the second coming. For when they shall say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that they that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light, the children of the day, we are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others. But let us watch, be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us who are in the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for, the helmet, uh, for an helmet and the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, before the second coming, before the day of the Lord, there must be this rapture, must be this um, falling away. Turn to 2 Thessalonians. Just go over. This is really interesting. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're finished. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, we beseech you, therefore, brethren, verse 1. Now, we beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, we've been gathered together with him, 
that ye not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, that day, that day shall not come, except there be a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Let me share with you that falling away. Tell you what falling away means here. It, does it mean apostasy? Well, it, the word means apostasy in other places, but here the, the word simply means to be, to be carried away, to, be, to, to disappear. You know what he's saying? Look at this. He says, let no man deceive you, verse 3, by any means for that day, the rapture, the day of Christ Jesus our Lord, that day shall not come, that day, that, uh, that terrible day here, except there come a disappearance first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Before the second coming of Jesus Christ, there's going to be a disappearance of the church. Verse 3. And so, with all that in mind, with the, with the rapture waiting, we don't know when the next thing is going to take place. If it were to happen today, would you, would you go to be with the Lord? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Are you living in this? I know you're in this dispensation of grace, but have you trusted His grace? Are you dependent on the works some way, as the Jew did, in order to, to, to have a, a place in, in heaven? Or are you dependent on the grace of God? If you would, I want you to hear a song as we close. And this will be our invitation hymn. I'm going to lead us in a prayer and listen as our guys come and share. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had just to deal with some things that people wonder about from time to time. We know we're in the dispensation of grace. We know, Lord, that uh, after the rapture of the church, the, the calling away, being called up to be with you forever, there'll be no more time for a person to receive you here on this earth. Father, this is, this is our dispensation of grace. We pray now, Lord, for each person that's here today. We thank you, Lord, for reaching out to the Gentiles, Lord, uh, to, to incorporate them into the body by simply turning to you and trusting you and believing in you to be the Lord, the Savior, Jesus Christ, the the one sacrifice for all sin. And so I pray for a person today, perhaps more than one, who have never trusted in simple faith by trusting you to be their Lord and Savior. I pray that they would come today. Thank you for the dispensation of grace that you gave to Paul to share with us, that it's for by grace are we saved through faith. It's not of ourselves, it's your gift. We pray for decisions that will be made here today. In Jesus' name, amen.